World Cup, World Cup, every four years it's the World Cup, World Cup. If you don't pick up a grunge in the build-up, then we'll love it when you score a goal. Ooh, did you see that? World Cup, World Cup. It might all end in tears or a headbutt. Head you can follow all the blogging on your laptop. laptop. From Slovenia to Slovakia, from Nigeria to the Côte d'Ivoire. Ah, Côte d'Ivoire. The Guardian and Observer, packed with World Cup coverage every day. The Guardian. Hello, I'm John Dennis. This is Guardian Daily. Today in South Africa, the World Cup gets underway. A six-week festival of football. We'll hear what it means to host one of the world's biggest sporting tournaments for a country reinventing itself. We'll be joined by Guardian correspondents in Johannesburg and Cape Town. And in the United States, whose national team take on England tomorrow. And from the streets of London, where people around the world are being struck by World Cup fever. Who are you going to be supporting? New Zealand. How do you think they'll do? I think um, they will not embarrass themselves. Let's begin in Johannesburg and our sports news correspondent, Owen Gibson. Six years after South Africa was originally uh, awarded the chance to hold the World Cup, and after six years of negative stories, hold-ups, questions about whether they'd be ready, the big day is finally upon us today. The uh, opening ceremony will take place at Soccer City, and then South Africa will take on uh, Mexico in the opening fixture. There's been an uh, incredible sort of groundswell of support here for the, for the home team, which has been sort of bolstered by Wednesday's parade in Johannesburg, where 100,000 people came out and lined the streets. And there's been a sort of real surge in the last couple of weeks or so of patriotic support in a similar way to we saw in Germany but obviously given this country's history it has even more resonance I think. I'm feeling great, I'm feeling beautiful. I don't want to go home. I want to stay here and just chill with the crowd. I'm more than excited. I know Bafana Bafana is going to bang it. It's going to kick it. Very happy, very excited. It's on our home ground and we're all happy. And the singing and the dancing, it just everything is bringing us together. Almost too good, too good to be true that it's uh, yeah at last you know we've been waiting and counting and counting and now it's here so it's, we're very excited. I'm more a rugby fan so uh, yeah the football uh, knowledge uh, limited but I think uh, you know just to, to be part of it to be in South Africa and to be part of it and it's uh, finally yeah. People have been to South Africa before but uh, those who are coming back for the second time they see uh, South Africa is a new South Africa the one that can host tourists as well. I had uh, breakfast yesterday with Danny Jordan, who's the uh, head of the organising committee and has been sort of working for 16 years to, to bring this to, uh, to, to pass. And he um, compared it to when uh, Mandela was released from prison as a, as a moment that would sort of stand in the nation's history books and that, and that everyone sort of had worked so hard for and would be so sort of important in the, in the nation's history. Moving beyond the, the huge import of, of that match, both to the tournament as a whole and to uh, the South African team, England, of course, face um, USA in Rustenburg on Saturday. Been what's actually a relatively easy group apart from that match, but it's been a tense build-up for Fabio Capello's men. Um, they'll be supported as usual by thousands and thousands of English fans who've started to pour into uh, Johannesburg and other airports around uh, South Africa in, in large numbers now but who are actually quite diffuse and spread out and will probably only sort of coalesce in, in Rustenburg on the day of the match and, uh, and then we'll see them travel en masse down to Cape Town and on to Port Elizabeth. 
the whole atmosphere of South Africa is amazing. It's just everybody is in such good spirits. Like the, the locals have been so friendly. I know there's been a lot of bad press about the locals, but you know, take them as they come, and they've been really good to me. So that's how I'm judging them. In a moment, we'll hear from Steve Bloomfield. He's outside the impressive Soccer City Stadium in Johannesburg. But joining me from Cape Town now is the Observer's correspondent, Alex Duval-Smith. Um, Alex, it's been, I mean, if you look back to over 20 years ago, um, South Africa was isolated internationally because of apartheid, there were sanctions and so on. Uh, it's an extraordinary moment for South Africa, isn't it, today? It's an extraordinary day and South Africa, of course, has seen football's role in changing the history of this country. Football was one of the few events at which black South Africans could gather in large numbers and was actually used by the African National Congress and other anti-apartheid groups as a a rallying point uh, at at which political messages were spread. So now to see South Africa being the centre of the world, the centre of the world of the world football uh, for for a month is, is... it's just an extraordinary experience for all South Africans. Well, right. Steve, um, you're, you're, you're at uh, the uh, incredible um, stadium in Soccer City. Um, can you describe the atmosphere for us? Uh, it's a, a really quite incredible atmosphere. It was, I mean, I think even if, you know, the, the hardest heart, the, the most bitter cynic uh, would agree if they could see this today, that it's, 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 you know, it's really something quite special. Um, I got the bus uh, this morning over to the stadium on the park and ride scheme. And, you know, there were queues of people all wearing the yellow and green of Bafana Bafana, all blown over with zealous, lots of people wearing these macarapas, which is these sort of mining helmets, which are sort of turned into uh, sort of football hats. And, and all, all colours, you know, lots of black and white South Africans and mixed race South Africans. It was a real uh, sort of, uh, it's cliche, I don't know, but it was a real Rainbow Nation moment. Uh, everyone on the bus, uh, you know, singing songs, singing Shosha Loza, the, one of the old uh, anti-apartheid songs, and everyone joining in, no matter what their background is. Um, and then to arrive at the stadium, which is, you know, without doubt, one of the best new stadiums in the world. Uh, and to see it filling up slowly, it's, uh, it's really quite something. Now, you're in Cape Town, Alex, uh, which hosts, hosts its first game this evening, Uruguay versus France. What's the atmosphere like where you are? The atmosphere in Cape Town is slightly different from Johannesburg. Uh, if you bear in mind where the stadiums are situated, uh, most of them are in the northern part of South Africa, apart from, of course, Durban and Port Elizabeth. Um, and, so, and Cape Town is slightly out on a limb. Uh, Cape Town doesn't, for example, have any resident teams with their base camps here. Neither do we have really resident fans because they're all going to travel down here, you know, game by game. We'll have an influx of England supporters for the England-Algeria game, and then they'll move on to another stadium. They'll move on to Port Elizabeth, which is in this region, but it's still six hours drive away. And uh, I mean, watching football is an expensive thing to do, isn't it? Has enough been done to make sure that the poorest people of South Africa are able to see these matches? The poorest people of South Africa will mainly stay in the townships and watch it on large screens. Uh, what we've seen is FIFA's organised fan fests, as it has in other uh, major cities of the world, in the inner cities. So that's fine for people who can get to the fan fest to watch it on a large screen and there's music and entertainment and stuff. Uh, in the townships, for example, in Cape Town, there are four large screen areas. They're known as fan jolls and they're run by the city of Cape Town, much more limited 
actually, uh, for, for reasons of cost, uh, not all matches will be broadcast into the townships. I think that there will be, as there always is in South Africa, two worlds running in parallel, and a lot of South Africans will not see live football. Steve, I mean, you've seen the um, stadiums building up um, over the, the last uh, few years, you know, um, up to this moment. I mean, it's incredible to sort of see it taking place and to arrive at this point, really, isn't it? It is, yeah, as you say. I mean, you know, the past sort of three or four years, I've been going back and forth to Johannesburg and the other stadiums as well to see, to see how it's going. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of uh, concern from people outside South Africa, particularly in the European media, that, that South Africa wouldn't be ready, that the stadiums wouldn't be ready. And, and actually, they were ready, you know, not just on time, but uh, but they also looked fantastic as well. Um, and, and, you know, I think it really helps to uh, dispel that myth that has grown up that, uh, that, you know, Africa isn't capable of hosting something like a World Cup. And, you know, you can take one look at the stadiums and see how smoothly things have gone uh, so far, relatively anyway. Uh, see, that's just not true. You, you mentioned uh, the Vuvuzela when you were describing the, the atmosphere there. Um, can you explain to us uh, what that is and why we'll be hearing a lot more of it in the f- next few weeks? You will. Uh, <laughs> if you're in a stadium, you might near earplugs. Basically, the Vuvuzela is a long, flared plastic horn which you basically just purse your lips around and blow as hard as you can. And uh, on its own, it makes a sort of a, a bit of a din. Uh, when there are thousands and thousands of them, it's uh, quite a cacophony. And it will sound on your TV screens like a, it's been described as a, a swarm of angry wasps, which is probably the best description uh, anyone's come up with. Uh, and on, on the pitch for the players, it, I think it can be, I think, perhaps quite distracting for some of them. Brian Robson, the ex-England captain, who's now a manager of Thailand, of all places, uh, they, they, uh, Thailand played South Africa recently in a friendly here, and he complained that he couldn't even uh, talk to his players on the pitch because of the noise. So I think we'll see a few complaints like that. Um, having been here a few days now, I, you know, I still love the Vuvuzela, I still appreciate its, uh, uh, its, its, its symbol, but I would prefer if people didn't blow it right next to my ear, particularly indoors. Alex Duval-Smith, these days sporting tournaments involve these huge building projects, um, but it often means people having to leave their homes to make way for these new stadiums. What, what impact has this had in Cape Town? In Cape Town, there have been some cases of people actually allegedly losing their homes, being relocated. Uh, there's an area which is known as Blickisdorp, which is far out, about about 30 miles out from the city, and where people have been relocated who were living in shacks quite near the airport highway. Um, the stadium itself didn't lead to people le- losing their homes because that's been built at FIFA's insistence in the centre of town. Another point of controversy uh, because the centre of town in Cape Town is largely white and white people live there. And white people in South Africa uh, historically and still today uh, tend to favour rugby. Um, and so to come in and see football in the city centre of Cape Town is a long journey for a lot of people. So you do have the, there have been people who've lost their homes um, and they've been moved out. Now they haven't always been moved to worse locations than they were in because we're talking Talking of people living in extremely uh, poor and unsalubrious uh, conditions who have been moved out to, to slightly better conditions. But yes, they've lost their homes. One of the major sticking points in awarding the World Cup to South Africa was its high crime rate. Have the people um, now visiting South Africa for this tournament got anything to worry about? 
I think perhaps more worry than than, than in, in a, perhaps in a European uh, country. On the other hand, uh, it's sad to say that most of the South African crime is concentrated in the townships, and the way in which the tournament has been sort of circumscribed and 40,000 police deployed really to look after the fans um, close to the stadiums, uh, a lot of the crime will continue happening in the townships uh, and, and shouldn't affect fans unless they venture out to the townships. Uh, of, of course there, there, there are car hijackings, there are um, uh, thefts and, and, and people do get attacked uh, for their cell phones. Unfortunately in this country you you, you you can get murdered for your telephone because a lot of people carry arms here. Um, so yes there's a danger but I don't think really um, the crime is going to affect the fans particularly. Well, you've, you've just written this book, Steve, Africa United, about the importance of football to Africa. How will other African nations benefit from South Africa hosting the World Cup? Well, South Africa's marketed this World Cup as Africa's World Cup. And to, to a certain extent, that's true. I mean, when I found when travelling across the continent, but to research in the book, that whether I was in Liberia or Ghana or in Kenya... People were excited about the World Cup coming to Africa, even if they weren't going to be at the matches themselves. There was a sense of pride that, you know, for so long, the best players in Africa had been going off to play in Europe, and now the best players in Europe and the world were coming to Africa, to their continent. However, um, very few African fans, non-South African African fans, are actually going to make it down here, which I think is a real shame. I think FIFA, uh, they had a very complicated ticketing process, uh, which required strong internet and international credit cards. And, you know, internet here isn't really the strongest, and a lot of people are quite frustrated by it. And I think it wouldn't have been that hard to have sold tickets over the counter for Nigeria's matches, say, in Lagos and Abuja, or, you know, for Ivory Coast matches, tried to sell some over the counter in, in Abidjan. But they didn't do that, and I think they've really missed, missed an opportunity there. Um, and, you know, some people are saying here that, well, they feel that, you know, Africa is being used as, as the stage, but Africans aren't allowed on the stage. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it quite as dramatically as that. It's certainly among South Africans as a feeling that this is their tournament. But uh, I think more could have been done to make it a truly African event. And Alex, a bit disappointing today that there's going to be no Nelson Mandela at today's opening ceremony. Yes, tragically, Mandela's great-granddaughter was killed in a car accident leaving the inaugural concert in Soweto last night. Uh, and, and quite understandably, uh, he, he's very shaken up, uh, 91 years old. Uh, he hadn't actually promised to be there for the entire match. He hadn't, he'd said that he might come, he'd do it best, he'd make an appearance. Well, obviously that, now that's not on the cards. Thanks very much to Alex Duval-Smith and Steve Bloomfield. Well, love it or loathe it, the World Cup is truly an international event, as I discovered talking to people in London's Leicester Square. Excuse me, I'm from The Guardian. I'm just trying to find out what people think about the World Cup. Are you looking forward to it? Que hablo español. I don't like football at all. But look, I'm not from here. No? I'm from Spain. OK, do you think Spain will do well? Oh, yes, sure. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm dreading it. <laughs> what, why is that? Because I'm sick of football all year. <laughs> and it hasn't even started yet. Oh, I know. Who are you going to be supporting? New Zealand. How do you think they'll do? I think um, they will not embarrass themselves. You're going to be uh, watching it here in Leicester Square? And sure, maybe. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> How do you think England will do? 
quarterfinals, possibly. I'm not I've got that much faith, to be honest. <laughs> How about you? Are you going to be watching the World we Cup? We will be. We'll be watching it with them, actually, yes. at, at Suffolk. So. Is there much interest in the World Cup in Australia? There is There is now. There's yeah. um, The last few years in Australia, a lot of uh, soccer has become very popular. When they were involved before, um, I think most people, where they followed Australian rules, didn't matter. They were on the TV because Australia was representing their country. And Australians just love sport, really, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> Any sort of sport. <laughs> what about you, madam? Are you going to be following it? Yes, I will be too, yes. Okay. I can't leave my husband there on his own. <laughs> yeah, of course I'll be watching the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you going to watch it? At home, with my friends. And who's going to win? I'm not too sure. I don't even like football. Not interested whatsoever in it. I like cricket and rugby. Are you going to be watching the World Cup? No. No? No. <laughs> yes, I will. Couldn't care less. Australian rules football. I will be watching it and I'm cheering from Greece. Do you think they'll, they'll go all the way this time? Nobody expected them to do so, but the whole countries expect a lift from the economic disaster that is happening now. Do you think England will do well this time? Hopefully not. <laughs> oh, really? Because where are you from? Scotland. Okay, so you, you, anyone but England for you, is it? Pretty much. Yeah. Are you looking forward to it? I think it's absolutely tremendous. I can't wait. Spain will defeat Argentina in the semi-finals. England will beat Brazil on penalties in the semi-finals, and Spain will win two 0 in the final. Okay. And what about you, sir? Is there a World Cup on? Seriously? Are you not? Are you not quite so keen as him? Oh, he's worse uh, than me. No, Ireland's not there, sure. <laughs> What's the point? The Guardian's veteran foreign correspondent, Chris McGreal, used to be based in South Africa. He's now in Washington. Chris, England's first match is tomorrow against the United States. How much interest is there in the World Cup in the US? Oh, I think it's uh, it would be unfair to say that this country is gripped by it, but those that are interested are interested. Um, I noticed that the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Washington Examiner all have the, the World Cup on their front page today, um, and uh, some of the tabloids here have focused directly in on the England-US game. But it, it's certainly not a country in the grip of uh, World Cup fever, um, as you would find in most of the world. Now, Chris, you used to be The Guardian's South Africa correspondent. It's an extraordinary day for South Africa, isn't it? It is really. Um, and I think what's interesting is to put it in the context of 1995 with the Rugby World Cup. Much has been made of, of how that was a kind of healing moment for the nation that, that, that pushed forward the, the post-apartheid era. But I think what was revealing about that was that in some ways that, that was one way. It was, it was as much about um, reassuring white people that they had a future in the country as, as, as bringing the, na- the nation together as such. And I think what's interesting to see about this is how many white people have have um, have embraced a black sport as it was always seen in South Africa looking at the pictures looking at who turned out for the concert in Soweto last night um, quite a large number of, of young white people and I, I think it's a it's a special moment in part because I think it also reflects the generational changes that have happened in South Africa and is there a small part of you Chris that wishes you were there today oh yes and tomorrow particularly <laughs> okay Chris many thanks for talking to us Don't forget you can hear reports of every game in the Guardian's World Cup podcast each evening throughout the tournament on guardian.co.uk slash football. Guardian Daily was produced today by Phil Maynard and Tim Mabel and in Johannesburg by Peter Sale. My name's John Dennis. Thank you for listening.
Thank you.